friends, and welcome to Pod Return to the Waking Sands. We are a Final Fantasy XIV companion podcast where we explore the lore and story of Heidelin and beyond. My name is Jen, and I am joined by my co-host and researcher. I'm Levi. Hello, Levi. Well, Jen, we have some hot dungeon content that we are covering. We have played through the Tamtara Deepcroft and the Copper Bell Mines. Two classics. They are two classics. I agree. And the last two in our little triplet dungeon tour around Eorzea. Yeah, they, they have to give us one dungeon per major city-state. Yep. So what happened last time, Jen? Well, last time we did the first one, which was Sestasha. Um investigating some suspicious characters around the caves, which happened to be pirates. Weird. So we killed a bunch of pirates and a Sahagin. And then we uh, we went back to Beta Ron and we're like, we did it. And we meet uh, a little group of, of uh, fledging adventurers who t- give us a little pep talk about goals. Beta Ron says, oh, you know what? Mother Mune has has something for you. Our first stop today is with the Gordanian fixer, Mother Miyun. She is fixing us up with the um, God's Quiver commander, Bolord Lewin, who has reports of activity in the Tamtara Deepcroft. But unfortunately, his forces are stretched so thin, he's got to bring in us freelancers to do the work. Tale as old as time. It's weird because they have more details because the guy outside the entrance gives us more details, but he chooses to omit this. I don't know. Maybe he was afraid to mention the lambs of Dalmud in He's gonna mixed scare us company off. or something. <laughs> yeah. It also he's got could an be, office. I'm sure he's got intel or maybe he just, I don't know. Hey, like, I need some work done. That's all I'm, you know, that's all you need to know, whatever. And the bro is going to fill you in when you get there. The bro is going to fill us in when we get there. Side note first, though, I'm glad to be finally seeing some old faces again, instead of the stream of constant new people that would be introduced and then dropped after five seconds. Who's familiar here? Lewin. Oh, okay. Yeah, he is. Yeah. I thought you were talking about the guy at the door. I'm like, I don't remember that guy. It's interesting that Lewin came all the way over to the Carlite, not all the way. He's right there in the Archers Guild, essentially, which is down the street. But let's just say, he's an important guy. Well, we're kind of a big deal, Jen. I guess so. We are the Seed Seer's personal emissary. Well, did he know that before he walked over? He was I like, assume do we have so. A, do we have a volunteer yet? And Mother Mion was like, yeah, we do. And actually, she's really good. Yeah, so I think he was just getting really concerned about the fact that this position wasn't filled yet. If he's got time to stock the, the bar waiting for someone to show up for the job, maybe he should just do it himself. Wow. Let's go down there. He's... He's got to be a few levels above the dungeon. He could just go in there unsynced and blast it up <laughs> by himself. Ask a Bolord Lewin to go in there. Hey, you just you go in unsynced, bro. It's going to be really easy. He's, he's going to be like, what say you? Unsynced? For anyone who is dabbling in this podcast out of curiosity and not playing through the game, or if you're a first timer, you can change your, um, your dungeon settings so that um, it does not sync your character's level to the level of the dungeon. All right. For whatever reason, Lewin's too busy. It, post-calamity, too much stuff going on. We're stretched thin. Beastman. Yep, yep, yep. yep. uh, we head down to the Deepcroft. We've been right outside here so far during the Gridania introductory story. The Deepcroft is in Central Shroud. It's very much like a burial mound. It used to be part of Gelamora, which you may recall is the subterranean city that the Gordanians used to live in, until they were able to broker a pact with the elementals to cohabitate in the Black Shroud. Most of Gelamora was vacated once the Gordanians went topside. Tamtara was actually used as a crypt after they had vacated it. So now it's a city of the dead, you might say. Uh, you can say it. That's that's Thank you. That's what it is. Sometimes people go in there and reanimate corpses and bones and stuff. The deep croft itself, it's kind of like a burial cairn in that it's just an earthen mound on the surface that's covered in overgrowth. And underneath, it's a, a natural stone dome that's reinforced on the sides with cut stone bricks. 
And this is just the entrance. It goes down much deeper below. Sure does. So we have the Tomtara Deepcroft, where the Gelmorans and Gridanians interred their dead. And uh, all of the dead from the Calamity uh, were interred there as well. Uh, however, there is a, a cult, a, a doomsday cult that is a leftover from the, the sixth astral era pre-Calamity called the Lambs of Dalamud. And they thought that Dalamud was their savior and that when Dalamud fully descended, it would save them. So Dalamud does not descend. It explodes and uh, Bahamut comes out instead. And you would think, well, okay, now the lambs of Dalamud have to reshuffle, maybe rethink their faith a little bit, um, thinking, oh, we were way off, guys. No, no, no. And, and this is very true. In real life, you will dig in your heels even harder. So the justification for their continued existence is that now they have to avenge the destruction of Dalamud. And so they're, they've decided to chill in Tamtara Deepcroft and do their rituals. What they want is they want to make their own doomsday. They're like, well, the, the Dalamud one didn't happen and it's all y'all's fault for mucking it up. So now we're going to have our own doomsday with hookers and blow. Hookers, uh, blackjack and hookers. Whatever. Yeah, close. Close enough. That, that's what they're doing down here is, is they're up to some sort of cultly business. And we're going to come down and stop on their party. Yeah. Before we do, though, we can find a few familiar faces outside the Deepcroft. Our favorite rogating gladiator, Dolores Bear, and his companions are outside. They're the ones that we beat the punch last time in clearing Sestasha. And then Bear was like, oh, you got to have goals. Yep. Him and his party are here, and they say, may the best man win, essentially, mm -hmm. which, cool, fine. We know it's us. <laughs> it's true. Uh, also outside is another pair that was outside Sestasha as well. It's an old Elizin Isidor and his granddaughter Aliane. Old grandpa has been burning his candle at both ends and it seems like he rushed in too aggressively and got beat up and was narrowly saved by his granddaughter. You lose focus in this game for one second. Also, they're down two party members. So maybe like get a full party, guys, before you go in there. True. I mean, it is a low-level dungeon, and Elsador is a uh, a self-proclaimed long-time adventurer. Like, he has seen some shit. Well, you know, people do lie on the internet, Jin. I'm not going to call Elsador Scrub, because I think he's... It's a joke, Jin. I know! I I'm comparing him to an internet blowhard, Jin. I know. It is a false analogy for the sake of humor. Oh my god. I know who you're talking about, but I'm not going to compare them. I'm not going to put them on the same level as Elsador, okay? Okay. He's better. He's better than that. Uh, he, and uh, maybe he just, you know, like Hammond, is a little bit in denial about his his age. That's a much more likely story. Yep. Yes. So, um, but he has a really, lo you know, good head on his shoulders. And um, I think he's a, a, a really good role model for his granddaughter. Now that we're done chatting up the, the fellow adventurers, it's time to get in there and give those cultists a localized apocalypse. This is our first glimpse into Gelmora. The entire dungeon is a mix of natural stone structure and artificial stonework, and it's clearly fallen into disrepair. There is green lichen coating everything. We have roots descending from the forest above and weeds sprouting up in the cracks in the cobblestones. The structure of this dungeon is a series of corridors that wind their way around a massive central shaft that descends from a crack in the earth above all the way down into darkness below. Massive circular pit that goes all the way down into who knows where. Spooky. Around the perimeter of this shaft, there are several stone balconies that are projecting out over the precipice. And in the middle, there is a circular worked stone platform with no visible means of entry. On every balcony, there are these glowing little blue orbs that are mounted on, on altars. 
and they shine beams of light up into a massive purple glowing mass of energy that floats in the air above the central platform. The, the course of the dungeon will be descending around the perimeter of this shaft, knocking out the orbs on every altar, which will then break the connection to that central platform. Um, and that's, that's what we're going to do. So we're going to fight some denizens of the crypt here, uh, as well as some cultists. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a nice, it's a well-rounded group of jerks. I agree. The, the cultists don't have a uniform. Most of their rank and file members are just wearing chainmail. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm sure their their operating budget is super small. Fair. And then on the first leg, we have just some bugs. There are swarms of blood flies. I drink blood. I'm a fly. Do you? Are you? I'm channeling a blood fly. I assume that's what they would be wanting to Fair. drink blood. Are they angry about it, though? Yes. Okay. Well, thank you for the fly report, Jen. Mm -hmm. um, we wind our way down clockwise. This is the classic structure in disrepair type dungeon where we are traversing the ruins of some past infrastructure of an old civilization, but it's broken down due to age. And we are forced to take all these detours and circumvent gaps in previously functional paths. So the very first thing when we, we head down here as we're trying to reach the first altar is that there's a huge collapse in this staircase winding down around this central pit. So we're forced to detour into the rock face itself down some side corridors to get around this gap in the structure. We fight our way through and eventually arrive at the first balcony. Right, so we have an altar here and then uh, a, a glowing orb that is tethered to the large orb in the center, either keeping whatever is inside of it inside of it or keeping it levitating or giving it power, whatever. We just know that we have to decommission these things. So we've got, what, like two imps and a cultist. Yes. We defeat them. Then the void scent appears and we have to, it's like a little baby boss. It, it's a... It's the boss of the balcony. This is a gargoyle void scent that appears once you kill all of the initial enemies on the balcony. Yeah, a little bit boss. After it goes down, then the barrier protecting the orbs is weakened. We can destroy them and the beam of light is severed. That leads Ooh. up to that central orb. One down, three to go. This fight is about on tier with the Captain Madison fights in Sestasha, but they have an ad coming in this time. Yep. Easy tank and spank. We descend further down. The path has crumbled away again. So we detour into the rock face once more and through more tunnels. We have some mightlings added into the mix here. The little giant scorpion guys, like dog-sized scorpions. They're cute. Gross, but okay. They're cute. Not going not gonna to judge your their affections, little, Jen. Their little legs and their little eyeballs. And their tail. Yeah. Stinging tail. They're so cute. We pass through an internment chamber and out onto the next balcony. Same deal as before, except that um, there is one more imp here. We break the orb and press on. Bam. Now we get some Yarzans in the mix. These are the giant daddy long leg type enemies. Snakeheads on spider legs. Like yep. absolute nightmare fuel. This is the, the most scenic of the dungeon routes. We pass over a finger of stone that stretches across a, a dark chasm. I always love fighting on a bridge in a, a game like this. I mean, it's 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 like a movie. It's like a movie. You can imagine the the camera just like you know rotating around and getting the full scale of or the space. Or you can space. do it yourself. You have the power. Do you like to do it yourself? You know I do, Jen. <laughs> There's another bit past this where we come across a tree that has actually grown down into the um, deep croft itself. So the trunk terminates in this basin of water down below, and it reaches up all the way to the surface above us. Cool. You were there too, Jen. Cool. Did you not appreciate the scenery, Jen? Well, of course, yes. But again, I've done it a lot. And I, I know there's... There's some come you know, see it with fresh eyes with me. There is a little bit of that, but at the same time, um, so I did this one for this episode. I did it not with the NPCs. I did it with an actual party of other PCs. 
which means the pacing is so much faster. <laughs> you don't really have time to sit in ogle and and stuff. It is a really cool s- spot. I mean, so with all all three. No, just kidding. Um, Copper Bell Mines is ass. Um, Sestasha and Tamtara are beautiful. Hey, and if you like Copper Bell, no shade. Okay, it's an aesthetic. It's not for me. That's all I'm saying. Well, we reach our next balcony, but this one is different. It's blocked off by a glowing purple barrier of energy. Ooh. So we have to travel past this barrier down to a side room where there's a glowing rosary on an altar. Beat up the cultists guarding it and bring it back to break the barrier. Yeah, that's our arcane key. So the balconies... Uh, we've encountered so far have had an altar on them and this one is a big balcony with two altars on them and two orbs two orbs also a named cultist octavel the unforgiving with the final beam dispatched stone blocks rise up from the pit below forming a bridge to the central platform it's very indiana jones at the same time this dark giant purple mass descends and coalesces into a straight up mind flare. Yeah, it's a void scent who has been put into the mind flare's body. No. It's going by what he said. Actually, Jen. Great, here we go. In Final Fantasy XIV, these mind flare creatures are void scent. They are straight up mind flares from D&D. They have Cthulhu face. Uh, yeah, like the slimy bodies and tentacle face all that stuff right from the monster manual and mind flares go back to final fantasy one in terms of being in the the enemy lineup uh so anyway in this game though they are void sent that must be summoned into bodies of the deceased in this case the cultists have used the body of the dead gilmore king galvanth aha what has happened here is that we interrupted some ritual where they are focusing these nether energies into this dead king's body to bring this void scent into it. And I'm assuming that if we had not interrupted the ritual, then he would be incarnated in this plane in a, a more powerful like Iteration. body. Yeah. yeah, exactly. The The boss's name is Galvanth the... The Decimator or some shit? Dominator. Which is... I would infer the void synth title on top of the body it has possessed. Yeah, I would assume a king, a former king of Gilmora, would not be called the Dominator. It doesn't sound like he would have been very beloved. We have tragically little to go on for ancient Gilmora. We really fucking don't. We need a fucking Sildi. A Sildi, yeah, in Gilmora. And it it might come. I hope it does. Because I know, I, where we like find like a secret door or something down down in the depths of the Tamtaras. Yes. Or somewhere and like, oh shit, we've got Gilmore and Ruins down here. Like a like a Goonies situation. Yep. We are we are dying for it. It'd be amazing. Give it to us. We need it. You set it up, do it. <laughs> but um for now though, it's time to kick this tentacle faced ass. Ass faced tentacle? Sure. Ass. Sure, yes. Asticle? <laughs> um, the fight opens up with us just fighting Galvanth. He casts water spells at you, and he will periodically summon in imps that tether to him with purple beams. While the imps are out, you cannot harm Galvanth, so your DPS need to go hop over and take the imps down to resume the fight. Yep. He's he's firing off those fucking water, water spout spells constantly. Yes. Oh, it's the most annoying. Just water, 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 <laughs> water. And it's too fa- You can't interrupt it. You can, but oh, why bother? I mean, you, you've got to like be clairvoyant to do it. Do you know any other spells? He does. He knows Mind Blast. Okay. Which is the big uninterruptible area of effect ability that will drop a giant circle around him. Meh. But he drops this though during this um, next phase when it gets pretty spicy ads wise. Oh yeah. Now he's got ads being tethered which are keeping him invulnerable and then just bonus ads yep. to make everything uh, shitty so he brings in more dire mites and also animated skeletons to reinforce us mm-hmm. so if your tank's not on point those guys are going to go wild All probably go for the healer the yep this fight is a lot more chaotic than the fight with the sahagan it adds a lot of uh, new mechanics um there's a lot of delegation that has to happen here 
and your tank is going to learn a lot. The DPS are going to learn a lot. And if you're in there with a bunch of people who have never done it before, you're probably going to have to do it a couple of times. I, I think I did when I first did it because it was such an escalation in difficulty. But it's great. It's very, it's very educational. Since we're such pros, though, Jen, we take it out no problem and return to Mother Miyun to report back. Mother is impressed. Thanks, Jen. Mm-hmm. She is. Direct quote. Direct quote. Inflection mine. <laughs> I, I think you're embodying her spirit. It's, it's, it's highly positive. Maybe a little sexual. Yes. <laughs> While she's busy patting us on the back, she tells us that the flood of work recently has led to a lot of inexperienced adventurers stepping up and getting punished by overstepping their bounds. Yeah. And as if on cue, we look over and see the results of a tragedy. Yeah. So we have uh, an example of one of these these uh, these groups of adventurer hopefuls that have haphazardly slapped a group together and decided we're going to make bucks and become famous and people are going to sing songs about us. Everybody's trying to jump in on this. Haphazard. I, I mean, they know each other. They're sort of. Their chemistry is way the fuck off. True. They don't know how to communicate. It's literally like they just posted up bills, like looking for adventurers. Jen, they put up a party finder. Ew. That <laughs> explains everything. Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> but as you'll recall, well, we haven't told you yet, but this is the same group that we saw outside of Sestasha. So uh, this is um, Avir, Etta, Livianne, and Peo Reo. They, in front of Sestasha, uh, Avir was really laying into Etta because she could not score potions at a reasonable price. She's really slow at healing. He was very upset with her. Meanwhile, Livianne and Peo Reo were like, woo, we're drunk, we're gonna get rich. So now at the Carline Canopy, we see three members of this group of used to be four people. And again, they're laying into Etta, and Livianne is super pissed off. She's an Elizabeth, um archer, saying, uh, you know, uh, this is all your fault. You suck. I've never liked you. You're a terrible healer. Um, we failed because of you. I'm fucking outie. And she leaves. She insults, you know, Etta a bunch. And then Peorio is like, y'all are like trash, okay? This is the trashiest fucking group I've ever seen. I'm out. He bails. And Livianne is like, you know what? Me too. I'm out. Blech. And, um, oh, oh, and by the way, Etta, um, you need to fucking get rid of Avir's head. I don't know why you're carrying it around. It's super weird and super creepy. Bury it. Cremate it. Do something. Just get rid of it. And then she leaves. And Etta is there. Uh, I don't even know what sort of emotions are going on in her head. And she's... She's speaking under her breath to Avir, asking for forgiveness, etc. And and then she also leaves. But like, good lord, what a what a burden! Until it gets to the the head part, this is just like a a party finder party. Basically, that yeah, can't hack it for whatever reason, and someone drops, and they everyone drops at that point. Yeah, like like bro, your gear is way under leveled. Kick. So that's what they would have done to Etta had they had the option. But instead, she killed the tank. Bummer. Now she's carrying his head around. Well, we will put a pin in that story and check back on her later All right. still. That's the Etta update. All right. So that, yeah, that's the update. What do, what do we want to call this group? Now, now it's just Etta because everybody's gone. Etta's Hedda's? Etta's Hedda's. <laughs> All right. I don't hate it. A VR can't clear. Wow. I might like that better. Okay. <laughs> okay. The VR can't clears. <laughs> Done. There it is. But unlike that trash fire over there we are pros and we have another job yes we've been topped to go see our good friend from another path mamodi yeah yeah mamodi mommy in um the quicksand adventurers guild slash tavern in ulda we teleport on over there and say what's up what is up so mamodi is like hey what how, how you doing good to see you let's talk business because she's all about business. I've got a thing for you. Uh, oh, here comes your petitioner now. And our petitioner is none other than the Papashan of the Sultan Sworn. Formerly the super, of the Sultan The super hush-hush Sultan Sworn. Yes. yes. So he has no idea who we are because we have we started in Cordania this time and blah, blah. Anyway, so he tells us about the unfortunate development that has occurred at the copper bell mines and this is a mine that has been closed for 
a couple of centuries now. It wasn't it wasn't needed. It you know it's not it wasn't needed. It was well, it was infested. Oh, first of all, we're gonna need to coach you on how to pronounce the name of the giants. Please. <laughs> how do you think it's pronounced? Hecatonchiers? Close. Hecatonkeries. How did you get that? I looked on the internet. It's actually it's an ancient Greek Checks out. thing. Yep. Um it is a it is a giant with I think fifty heads and a hundred arms. Cool. Something crazy. So uh Hecatonkeries is the plural and then I think Hecatonker is probably just the singular. Hecatonker. Yeah. We tried to enter these mines during our early Ulda adventurers, but were turned away by the stone torches, the for profit mine guards. And now we get to find out why things were shut down. Which, as it turns out, is that giants have seized the mines. So Jin, you may recall from last episode about paladins, we were talking briefly about the crimes against humanity committed by the Sultanate. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, we get to go into some detail now on another one of these crimes. This story comes from the Thorin dynasty. This is the time period in which a Hurian family ruled Uldah because the Ul dynasty was taken out of power because of the crimes they committed. Against Sildi, right? Against Sildi, yes. Yeah. Lobbing effectively biological weapons into the city and uh, turning the entire citizenry undead. Cool. But now the squeaky clean Thorn dynasty is in charge. Except that they decided to do a little slave trading here, where they buy a race of giants from another race of giants, the Gygas. Now, we'll talk about the Gygas later, because they aren't really relevant now. But the purchased giants are called the Hecatonkeries. As you might expect, these giants are a big, beefy people, almost as wide as they are tall. Mm-hmm. And they were controlled by a means of these magical helmets that subverted their wills. And they were put to work in the mines. Predictably, the helmets had a problem and the enchantment broke. And when it did, the giants rose up against their Uldan masters. Mm-hmm. Yes. The slave masters dealt with a problem by collapsing the mines on the giants, taking care of the problem once and for all. Sure. Except the giants lived and procreated down below until just recently when developments in technology have allowed the Uldan miners, specifically in this case, the Amagina and Sons mineral concern, to use blasting powder to blast their way back into the mines because they need all that ore for the rebuilding following the calamity. Yeah. But surprise, the giants are still alive down there and their children are pissed the fuck off. Cool. And rightly so. Yes. And Mamodi agrees. She has a lot of empathy for them, frankly. It doesn't stop anything that we're about to do. Um, (laughs) But at the same time, she's like, oh, they must be pissed as fuck. I can't imagine living for 300 years as like descendants of slaves who, who were trapped on purpose in a mine. Jesus Christ. But we should probably... You know, go kill them off. Tuck anyway. that back under the rug again. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've got capitalism to do, so. Yep. That's Wulda. And that's Copperbell. So we head back to Western Thanalan. We've already seen this mine's exterior when we were dicking around in the outside mining camp. There are a bunch of, like, the hermit crab, technically. The goblins. Goblins. And then the, the bomb enemies. Now that we got the invite, though, we're allowed to go inside the mines. In front of Copperbell Mines, we find some familiar characters. So Ilsador and Eliane are there, and I think they did, well, they did better than Temtara. I don't think they went down there, though. Um, but Ilsador has a, a, a number of things to say about, you know, making sure that you don't, that you don't have blinders on, that you still allow yourself to make decisions that aren't reckless and um, myopic. That's when we learned that um, our our friend Dolores Bear and his group have died in these mines. So they went in to get their fortune and glory, and the giants murdered them. So Dolores Bear and his group are no longer. Rip Bear. Yeah, that's that's a bummer. He's setting goals in heaven now. Well, that was that was the thing. 
is and, and that's why Ilsador was trying to stress like you know they were they were so laser focused on um you know fortune and glory etc that they they found themselves in a situation where they they couldn't even think clearly they just ran in recklessly in 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 search of you know these quote unquote goals so you have to give yourself a little flexibility there goals are good but you know not at the expense of your lives so that was Ilsador's little little speech there good lesson yeah so the copper bell dungeon was overhauled semi-recently uh the old one had some bad boss fights and some janky pulls where you could just run past enemies and they would reset on a super short timer so you could just like skip half the dungeon the previous design of this dungeon it was um one for for newbie gen confounding and two stupid (laughs) It didn't. I remember that one that one spot where you're basically you're all standing in a in a room, and spriggans are just coming at you one after the other after yep. the other, and you could essentially just like one shot them. Where it's like doop 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 doop, and then yep. occasionally a giant would come in, and you'd be like, all right, three shots for this guy, and then more spriggans. But doop doop doop. Well, we'll see that spot redone in just a minute. And then and then the thing with the slime where you couldn't like touch it, and yes. it was just fucking weird, man. I never got it, and then it changed. This place is the epitome of a desert mine. It's a brown stone structure with sandy floors, mining equipment scattered all over the place. And our first stretch will take us past some coblins and spriggans. Spriggans are the both cute and horrifying little guys that are like fuzzy they black They look like eggs. dust sprite bunnies. Yeah, exactly. They, they got the, the really shaggy bunny ears and big creepy faces. I love faces. them and their big fat mouths with their teeth and they're, they're so cute. Well, they don't love you, Jen, because they, they want to... They don't. I'm working on it. You're here to steal their oars. they got plenty of oars. You share. These are actually thought to be kind of elemental creatures versus like living, though. That makes sense. They look like some kind of like rabbit thing, but they're actually... It, it could be like... uh, What's that fucking... Like like the metallic... It, I mean, it looks like... Uh, oh, like... Uh, what's that? What's that little toy you get as a kid? Uh, like if if you were a kid in the '60s, it's like fuzzy wuzzy or something, where you have like a magnetic little pencil and you have these uh, magnetic like graphite shavings or whatever. Oh, it's the and guy you, you put the hair yeah, on. and you make like facial hair for him. It looks like that's what they're made out of. Jin is not from the '60s, just to clarify. No, 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 not not physically. All right, Grandma, let's get mine in. All right, I'm gonna go ahead and make uh, some kind of dinner out of Jello and carrot shredded bits and cottage cheese. I'll be right back. shit was gross the first batch of critters we kill yields a key which lets us unlock these big reinforced metal blast doors going deeper into the mine then we take a rickety wooden elevator down below leading to a massive cavern supported by big rocky columns and like um reinforced wooden struts yeah it's very dusty there's there's metal grates uh, strong metal doors, wooden beams and such. I mean, it's like um, the inside of a tap room decorated circa 2014. Cool. Yeah, that industrial salvage vibe. Well, as we wind our way through this giant cavern, a rocky wall bursts open and we see our first Hecatonker. It's in the 15-ish foot tall range. Yeah, I he's estimate. a Hecatonker. Am I right? Nice. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Even though they're the descendants of the original giants, they still wear the helms that are, of course, now powerless. They're broken, yeah. Yep. But useful. Everybody needs a helmet. Even Jen. Especially Jen. We make our way through the cavern, across some stone platforms and wooden scaffolding, and eventually reach our first cave-in. We need to scavenge for fire sand, blasting powder, and set it at the, the collapsed wall so we can blow ourselves a new hole and proceed. And this leads to the first boss, a even better and bigger Hecatonker named Kotos. Kotos. He has ruddy red skin, a big axe, and a shield, and another helm. 
this fight is kind of a trip because it is using modern Final Fantasy 14 mechanics. I know. In the third dungeon in the game. It's real. I was like, what the fuck? This is great. It is great. Yeah. yeah. So he's like, he'll do like um like puddles of AOEs like encircling the dungeon yeah, or encircling so- the arena so that you have to, you know, go to the first one so that you can hang out in the empty spot. Also, he has a tank buster, which it is wild to see that red mark saying big damage incoming mm-hmm. at this tier of dungeon. It's great. Also, he's after he does the overlapping AOEs, he will drop a conal cleave. Yeah, big cleave. And of course, this fight has kid gloves on, so the cast bars are like a minute long. Even the NPCs have enough time to get out of the way. <laughs> I'd hope so. That's saying something. Pretty fun, especially at, at this tier. The old version, though, of this fight was the one that Jen was talking about, where you just stood around and enemies would hop down from an upper ledge one by one every 15 or so seconds. Boop. And you could just blast them with range attacks before they could do anything whatsoever. Yep. Wasn't great. It was not great. It's over. It's gone now, Jen. Don't worry. (laughs) Yay. Kotos drops a key to the next blasting door. And now we walk on metal grates that span a chasm below us. There's a smashed up rail, like a, a little track for um, minecarts here, that we follow to the next elevator and descend deeper to another cave-in. This time we have to go and hunt further afield for the fire sand, checking in some side rooms. Another little fire sand puzzle. If you can call it that. Yeah. And then we blast our way forward to the next boss fight. The next boss is a big undulating green slime. And it periodically bursts out lots of little slimes that will explode after a short time. That's that's basically it. Yeah. Yep. And the old fight was the, the classic slime where two party members had to do nothing or they'd make the fight worse. <laughs> it's really intuitive, guys. So pretty much you got your tank and a DPS doing stuff. The tank keeps the slime busy and the DPS is going to set a detonator to blow the slime apart. And then the tank grabs the split slime, brings them on top of the detonator, and repeat. Yep, and the rest of you just do not do anything. Don't fucking do anything. Bad times. Weird. (laughs) Pressing on, we blast open another wall and reach the crystalline caverns. This area is the ancient part of the Copper Bell Mines. The walls and floors are covered in this purple quartz-like structure. They look like basalt columns, but the basalt is... We've got glowing purple veins of something. Purple and teal, and it looks really cool. It looks primordial in here. Yes. Speaking of primordial, we start finding living fossils, which look like these weird-ass Nautilus snail hybrids Mm -hmm. with mossy shells. Mm Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah, the mobs down here are different. This is part of the, the depths. It's part of the hecachondries diet back when they were trapped. Like the stuff down here is how they subsisted. They like hippogriffs and uh, living fossils and yeah, super um, old timey creatures. So we fight through a ankle deep lake that is fed by a waterfall and follow uh, a crystalline tunnel down to the final boss arena, which is a big circular cavern. And in the distance, you can see an ancient stone door that's been burst open. And we have our final boss, Gaijis the Great, who is a massive hecatonker. There you go. He's pretty big. He smashes his way into the cavern with his giant gilded hammer. As he does so, he roars that he is free and his masters must pay. Which, fair, but capitalism must go on. Yeah. So you gotta go. They have been working to extricate themselves from this mine for centuries. And there we are, ready to crush dreams. This guy has a couple power moves. One is a giant swing where you have to stand directly underneath him to avoid the attack. And the other is the inverse of that, where he will smash his hammer down on the ground around him, which causes several sections of the arena to explode. And you got to dodge those. Mm-hmm. Got to find the tiny little safe spot. So we take him down and save the mines for the Amagina and Sons, Woo! upstanding members of society. We did it, guys. The old version of the final fight is really a redux of the Sustasha final fight. You have the big guy in the arena, and then he hammers on the wall to let in smaller giants, and then you can just burn him, though, and ignore the ads, yep. just like in Sustasha. 
But goodbye, old Copper Bell. Long live new Copper Bell. Indeed. So back in Ulda, we report to our contact, Painted Mesa, the job is done. He gives us an attaboy. But wait, there's a ruckus in the streets. Somebody is, uh, this was great. We hear a we hear a scream from outside. And we bolt. Like, we're, we are there. And Painted Mesa, the camera still is on Painted Mesa, and he just kind of crosses his arms and lowers his head and stays the fuck put. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, we're right outside the quicksand in the streets of Ulda, and there's a bit of a commotion. Yeah, there are some thuggish merchants who are menacing a woman and insisting that she stole from them. And she's uh, insisting the opposite. Yeah. I did not. And she's she's in a very, very vulnerable position. So she's on the ground, probably having just been chased there from outside by these three goons. Uh, so we've got like the head honcho guy that looks like a total douchebag and his little bodyguards. This guy's hair, it's like a weird Brillo mullet. Not a mullet. A weird Brillo mohawk. As we'll learn in a minute, the woman is a refugee. Someone who has fled to Ulda after the calamity wiped out their homes and livelihoods. Yeah. So she is desperate and she sees us who just ran out from the quicksand into the city streets. And she beseeches us for our help. I, I have the heart of gold. Yes, I will save you, damsel. So we do that. So the merchant sticks his bodyguards on us. We fight one of them first. He's the tough guy. And then later on, two weaker ones come in to, to fight us as well. Whatever. Like, yeah. pop, pop, pop. We take him down and the merchant is now undefended. But he does not relent, though. He's still insisting, even after we trounced his guards, that this woman is a thief. But we hear a heartbeat and our vision blurs. Ooh, flashback time. So we flashback to what was probably, I don't know, 20 minutes earlier. And it's two, looks like two well-to-do Uldan residents having a conversation. We have an older gentleman and a younger gentleman. And they're commenting on the state of the refugee camps outside the city walls of Ulda. One of them, the young guy is, you know, I swear every time I look, there are more and more refugees. And the other guy is like, you're right. Yeah, I mean, there are more. You know, the next question the young guy has is, well, you know, why now? It's been five years since the calamity. Why all of a sudden are we getting so many more people? And I mean, this is actually a very reasonable conversation. Um, the old guy's like, well, I mean, what happened after the calamity is everybody's, you know, a, a lot of lands were rendered barren and people tried very hard to make a go of it in their homelands, which is fair. But they realize there is no more life here for us because everything is wrecked to fuck. And that's going to take some time to kind of work it shit, work itself out. And hence, a few years after the, the whole ordeal, we have people who are trying to find shit to do, land to work with, jobs to be had, uh, a, new, a new place to start over. So they have this discussion. The young guy's like, yeah, well, you know, that's... I, I still worry about the fact that these refugees are going to introduce more crime and, and, and bullshit to the city. And he's like, well, and so the old guy, again, in a very reasonable discussion, there's always going to be, you know, a couple of couple of shit heels, uh, you know, messing it up for everybody. But uh, I think for the most part, everybody's pretty good. And uh, so essentially, they just have this conversation. And meanwhile, in the background... We see our damsel in distress walk up to a, a stall, purchase the thing, and walk away. The thing being a dodo a do tenderloin. Yeah, like dodo meat. So we get the little refugee, you know, discussion, but then in the background we you know, we have actual proof that this is what happened. So our damsel is telling the truth, and our douchebag is still a douchebag. So we are now back in real time. We have come out of our flashback, and the lady is asking us, are you okay? And we're like, yeah, we're, we're cool. We turn our sights over to Merchant Asshole, and we're like, oh, no, no. Yeah, she fucking bought that legitimately, okay? You need I to saw fuck it in off. a dream. I saw it. I fucking saw her buy it. And he's like, the fuck you say? Yeah, how could you possibly say that? And then a voice somewhere from the crowd says, yeah, we fucking saw it too, you shit fuck. 
Like, who said that? Who said that? And he's, 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 he's looking around the, uh, and we turn into like first person view of, uh, the merchant. And he's looking around the crowd, trying to find the, the jerk who, who said this. There's nothing. However, if you look closely, you can see a little Ida poking out behind a column in the corner. But she's not coming forward, obviously. So the merchant, feeling a little overwhelmed in this moment, is like, all right, well, uh, I'll let you, I'll let you off this one time. And he runs off like the little, uh, you know, chode that he is. And thanks, Laurent. Thank you so much. Blah, blah, blah. Then we're approached by Ida and Papalimo. This will vary based on who your scholar is. Right. The first so, time it was Thancred for me. Yeah. So yeah. The, the person you met in the first leg of your quest will come and meet you here. So they come up and they're like, you know, we've been watching you for a while and you are good people. Also, uh, you have a power. You have, you know, that ability, that little flashback thing that happens. We know somebody who has that too. And we think you should meet. But um, if you are interested, our organization would really like your help. So if you if talk to Momodi, if that's your jam, but... Uh, we think this is a good move for you. And they walk off and he's just like, oh my god, oh, we're called the Scions of the Seventh Dawn, by the way. But don't tell anyone. <laughs> right, yeah, no, <laughs> this is a total Ida moment. Because Papalimo's like, our organization would like your help. And then Ida's like, oh my god, no, we're the Scions of the Seventh Dawn. Oh my god, we almost like didn't tell you what we're doing. <laughs> In true Ida fashion. Yeah. So we'll leave off there for today. Yeah, we'll mull that decision over. We don't know what we're going to do yet. We'll see. Good stuff. Good stuff. It's good stuff now. Uh, now that they revamped the dungeons. Um, well, the dungeon singular. Bell, yeah, okay. I'm happy to get into more serious content as the mechanics of the early levels are not very rigorous it's just very heavy having three dungeons back to back in a row i wish that they had spread these out more amongst the other content i mean i, I know it the story that's coming does not match it but i like this game best when it's sprinkling in the um, mechanics and the story in even measure i i can see that uh, but I also, I think it's good that they they had these dungeons in such quick succession because it's it's just really hammering home the dynamics of a dungeon sort of um, encounter. So you don't get Sestasha and then, you know, two more hours of dialogue and MSQ stuff and then another dungeon and you're like, how does this work again? So it is, um, you know, it's it's really good training. So learning the dynamics of the dungeon, you know, the duty finder system, the NPC, what, however you want to do that. And then also gradually building up on these mechanics so that you are, you're better prepared for the next thing that comes up. So I'm, I'm down with that. That's fair. Yeah, they, they are fun. They're, they're all yeah. fun, especially new Copper Bell. Um, yeah, the, 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 the bad news that we got before we entered notwithstanding. I had no idea about anything Kelamora related on my first playthrough. So Tamtara was just like, well, let's go kill some cultists in a tomb. Yeah. It really undersells its own story early on, I feel like. And there's like a lot of depth and interest there in Gordania's history, but it doesn't do itself the favor. The game doesn't do itself the favor of actually giving you an idea of how cool this stuff is conceptually. Just like cultists in a place. Gelmora throwing nouns out with no context go go do it go kill stuff basically yeah without doing this homework then what are you gonna do like how, how would you know what this place actually is you wouldn't i didn't it was just words despite the quality of copper bell though it's pretty fucked up morally just like oh, in God, the really? um gardenia quest where you have to go and kill the kikerns because they stole food mm -hmm. it's like all right well here are these creatures that we enslaved, our, our ancestors enslaved, and now go shove them back down in the hole because they want to come free. Yeah, we have marginalized you, and we have othered you, and we have trapped you into a corner, and you are lashing out because you're starving, and then we're just going to kill you for it. It's really fucked up. I feel like if this 
quest were to reappear in modern Final Fantasy XIV, mm-hmm. it would be it would be about like reaching out and reparations. It's Pretty like, much, yeah. Like, yes. How can we how can we rehabilitate the the giant community and um, you know give them give them uh, jobs and job training well, I, and how I, to incorporate into into society above ground. I think it's more like autonomy is what they they would need at first. Not like come work for us, but we'll pay you this time. It's better, we swear. But more, they come out, they are, are pissed off. You'd have to blunt the attack because you can't let Ulda go down, obviously. But it's not like, well, fuck you, go back in, in your giant hole. It's okay, so we acknowledge the sins of our ancestors. Let us find a path forward together. Yep. But that that's new Final Fantasy XIV, not nine-year-old fourteen, where we kill starving rotmen for... Yeah. Daring to steal some eggs. Oy. So <laughs> that's Copper Bell. Also, though, like on the heels of that whole, all right, this guy is saying, I want to be free. And then we kill him. Then Ida and Papalimo come up and say, you're a good person. And we love you for doing good. Come join us. It's mm. like, I-, I don't feel very good right now, to be fair. I've got to level with you guys. I-, I don't feel like I'm on the side of right at this time. Yep. Having some internal conflicts here. Yes. Um, but, you know, we're all of a certain generation in this game, I suppose. <laughs> well, we get our Scion invite finally, Jen. Yay. So we can finally start calling them the Scions and not the Charlayan Scholars or the, some y- other y- yes. bullshit. Oh, thank God. It was annoying. Any other comments, Jen? No. Next time. We are talking about the Black Mage job quest. Neat. Going from a fart to art. That doesn't make any sense. Because the Paladin quest was a fart. And now the Black Mage quest will be art. I see. Relatively speaking. Yes. Okay. It rhymes, Jen. Yes, Give me I a break. get it. Okay. okay. Good job. Good job. We're Good done job. here. <laughs> That'll uh, that'll do it for this episode. And if you would like to get in touch, you can. Oh my god, you can. Uh, you can find us at podreturnffxiv at gmail.com. And we hope that you enjoyed the episode. And we will see you next time. <laughs> <laughs>